Hello, humans. Hello, humans. Hello, humans. It is me, Ellie Krug. And not on a pre-recorded show, but on a live show. Here I am. I'm back talking to you live on another Saturday, a brilliant Saturday here in Minnesota. The sun is out. We're supposed to get into the 40s. I mean, did I really say that? And I am here talking to you on LE 2.0 Radio and lovely AM 950. I am thrilled, just thrilled to be here yet again. Um, and I'm, I am thrilled to give you, I think, a show that you will remember. We have uh, a number of things to talk about. I'm going to talk a little bit about what's going on uh, with uh, how the way it's shaping up against transgender people across the country with a number of different legislative uh, bills in uh, states. Uh, and then I'm going to talk to you about a story about a good Samaritan who uh, was hurt horribly helping someone tell you about the GoFundMe for, for uh, that person. Um, and then uh, I'm going to share you a story about Christmas, about kindness that happened in Christmas. I know it's January. We're two weeks past Christmas at this point, or three, maybe it's three weeks at this point, whatever it is, don't worry, okay? Because it's still a timeless story. But we have a big interview today. We do. We have an interview with a a man, a writer of children's books, whom I believe that you will enjoy hearing from him greatly. I have, uh, I, I uh, hopefully have Lehman Riley on the line. Lehman, are you there? I am. Hey, Lehman, thank you for being on LE 2.0 Road Radio. Lehman, oh, thank you. Uh, we need to let the jury, or the jury, excuse me. Sorry, Lehman, that's my lawyer coming out in me. We need to let the audience know a little bit about you. You are an author um, who goes back to 1991, uh, uh, writing, who's written, do I have it right, nine children's books? Yep, yep. Okay. Nine. And, and these books are, and I'm going to let you describe them all in a second, but I just kind of want to tee it up here. These books are all generally about, uh, evolve around your grandfather, Papa, Le- Papa Lemon, and, uh, and his magic train that takes children back in time. Um, and, but there are different historical contexts that you write about and different in very different and important things for young children that you write about. Have I laid it out correctly so far? Yes, you did. Perfect, perfect. Okay. So, Lehman, tell us a little bit about how you got, how you started to write about children's books. And tell us, give us a little bit about your background, because we want to hear about uh, uh, Papa Lemon. And (laughs) and we want to hear a little bit about you. So go ahead. Okay, well, I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, born and raised, um, lived here all my life. I um, picked up writing by accident when I was in college. I was just looking for a credit, and uh, so I picked up this writing course uh, to uh, help me, you know, fulfill my credit obligations, and that was back in 1982, I believe it was, and um, yeah, nine years after that, ten years after that, I started writing uh, Papa Lemon's Little Wanderers. Um, how I came about that was my grandfather. He just inspired me so much. He was from Mississippi, born in 1896 in a small town called West. And he just fascinated me as a kid because everybody looked up to my grandfather. He wasn't big in stature, but the way he carried himself 
who was almost like regal the way he was, how he would walk through town with his fedora on and, you know, black and white would always say, hey, Lemon, Lemon, how you doing? So I thought my grandfather was a celebrity when I was growing up. Only had him for 10 years, but um, when he passed away, I just could not let that be the last image of my grandfather, the last memory of my grandfather. So as I went through elementary school and middle school, high school, I just couldn't stop thinking about my grandfather. Lehman, can, and, I, Lehman, can I interrupt you? Sure. Because I, I want the audience to understand some of the um, significance of your grandfather. He, he, was, he, he worked for the railroad for almost 50 years. Do I have that right? Correct. Yeah, 47 years he worked the railroad, owned his own land. And, uh, I mean, he was really uh, uh, one of the, uh, I guess, uh, financially secure in the community. Uh, first man to own a uh, car. He had a Model T that he would drive around and would help out the schools when they needed food and so forth. He had over 200 acres of land. And, so, you know, so he was very popular. And we need to understand, I mean, this is in Mississippi in the earliest, early part of the 20th century. Your, yep. your grandfather, a black man, is successful and well-liked in the community, right? By both black and white. Yep. <laughs> and, then your, and then your parents were part of the Great Migration from yep. the South, up, and they, they arrived here in the Twin Cities, you know, and then you were yep. born in the Twin Cities and raised here. Do I have all of that right? Correct, yeah. Okay. They made it here in 54, 55, I believe it was. And I was born in 62. Okay. And then your grandfather, of course, left. You would go down to the farm during the summers. Do I have that right? Correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So bring us forward. Okay. Sorry. I just need to, I want to make sure everybody understands this, you know, the significance of this man in your life as well as in the community. Go ahead. Yeah. And so fast forward to 92 uh, or 91, uh, I was, uh, after I watched the uh, Rodney King incident, you know, that night I tried to go to bed and I could not sleep. You know, I was just, you know, thinking about all of the that that the news information. I was just laying there. And, you know, I'm a Christian. So um, that's when God spoke to me to tell me to write stories about uh, my grandfather using him as a history icon to educate kids to uh, understand more about each other's cultures, contributions, and history. And I'm like, what am I going to write about? You know, I, I didn't want to write about the common stories and so forth, but funny enough, my very first story was on Dr. King. And uh, I wrote my first story is talking about Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. It's five friends of diverse race. They're bored in history. And so they go to Papa Lemon, who's the uh, neighborhood grandfather, the wise neighborhood grandfather and um, he reveals his magical train that takes kids back in time to learn about different leaders and events in history and so the kids they were skeptical you know a little nervous about going so far back their first trip so they chose dr king's i have a dream speech and they got to see part of the speech and came back home to tell Poplin and what they actually seen and heard and actually met Dr. King and had an opportunity to talk to him backstage. Um, now, each trip the kids go on is a homework assignment, so they can fulfill their homework assignment with each trip they go on. So that was my first story. My second story is on uh, Harriet Tubman. Uh, the kids were curious about Harriet Tubman and uh, what it was like back then. So they just wanted to view what it was like in the 1800s and slavery. 
but to their surprise, they get caught and sold into slavery. Well, hold on, hold on. Papa, so Papa Lemon takes them back in time on his train, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Papa Lemon, don't, he doesn't go on the trips with them because he's already experienced all of it. He said, I'm too old to go on the trips now. It's your turn to experience America's history. So they go on the trips on their own. Okay. And then come back and tell Papa Lemon what they discovered and learned. So that's okay. how that happened. Okay, and in the process, the reader of these books, they're learning about these eras, right? They're learning, yep. you know, they're learning about first Dr. King and his, spe- his wonderful speech, and then they're learning about Harriet Tubman. And Harriet in your Tubman. book about Harriet Tubman, the children actually get enslaved, right? Yep, they get caught, sold, and separate slaves in, the, in different um, plantations. Uh, they have to figure out a way to get back to each other so they can get back to their train to get home. And at that time, there was actually uh, a plan. The slaves had came up with a plan to escape that night. And they said, you have to listen to the drums and understand the songs, the, the, the beat of the drums, to follow the drums, to get out of there. So they uh, waited for their drums and all of that and went with the person that was escaping. And they all ran off and got back to the train. Really exciting story. And they learned what it was like to pick cotton and so forth and all that. So... It was very exciting story, that one is. And my third story, I really enjoyed writing this one. This is, I think, the one I had the most fun writing. It's on the Navajo Code Talkers. I learned about the Navajo Indians in uh, World War II and the Battle of Iwo Jima and how instrumental their language was in helping us take over that island from the Japanese. So that story is such an exciting story, how everybody in the United States pitched in together and you know, helped out in the war efforts, and the kids would help out, and the women would help by building planes and, you know, test flying planes and doing tanks and all of that stuff. So it was a huge uh, event back then, and I thought the kids need to know how important the Navajo Indians were in that um, era, how they helped us succeed in taking over Iwo Jima, which was a very pivotal part of the war for us right. and, uh, to win the war. And Lehman, all to, so all to, well, all together you've got nine books, and I'm going to ask you about yep. a couple of them in particular. But but these are not you know lengthy books. They're they're books that that are uh, geared to what grade reading? Uh, I started writing for third grade reading level. Third grade I reading. Out, okay, go yeah, ahead. I found out that middle school and high schoolers are actually using the books also. The books I, I don't want the books to be so long that the kids get. Uh, I guess intimidated by the pages. I want them to be comfortable in reading so they can actually engage with one another after they read about the stories and so forth. So I just get enough for them to uh, go to another book to learn about that person or the event. This is just like a a tease to get them excited to go on to read more books. Right. And the books have like consistent characters in them. So when you have from book to book, you have like Kea, the di- the di- the diva, AJ, the worrier, Carlos, mm-hmm. the protector, um, you know, baby buck, know it all, you know. So the, the, these are the same characters from book to book, right? Yep, 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 yep. Okay. There's two of the kids are my daughter. My daughter is Nikki. She's the leader of the group, and uh, my son is Carlos. And the uh, baby buck's my nephew and. AJ was my best friend when I was growing up, so I wanted to put him in the book. And <laughs> Kaya is based off of my great grandmother, who was part uh, Chippewa and African American. So I just wanted to mix up the culture so everyone could see each other's uh, 
Right, but the uh, books, where, but these characters show up in each in each of your books. Every book, right? Yep. And then so does yep. Papa Papa Lemon, and then Papa so does and then so does your grandmother, right? Yep, Mama. Yep, Mama Sarah. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's good that my my grandmother's seen book one three weeks before she passed away, and she was a hundred and one, and she said, "You know, your grandfather would be so proud of you." Oh. But don't forget about me. <laughs> so I had to really incorporate my grandmother in the books also. Well, and and Lehman, t- I have not been you you and I sat yesterday, and you, and uh, I. We got you. I got three of your books, and I've not been able to read all three of them. But I, I did read last night the, the book titled "The Adventure of Papa Lemon's Little Wanderers Bullying," with the subtitle mm-hmm. "A Choice with Consequences." And so it's really a book about how one of the characters gets bullied, and it yep. and you weave in you weave in a story about an immigrant child from Mexico, and then you mm-hmm. have you know you have a strong female character talk you know who you know gives allyship to, um, to the, to the immigrant child, you know, and talks back to the bullies, but the, yep. but the book mm-hmm. is about compassion and empathy. You know, it even weaves in a story, you know, Prince, you know, our, our, yep. our Prince, you know, from the twin cities, you know, and, um, and, 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 and the book though touched me. Okay. As I was reading it, because you have a lot of adult themes in the book, you know, around mm-hmm. compassion and empathy, and about about uh, cyber cyber bullying, and 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 about how we as humans can be good to each other, but as also we can be not so good. I I just yeah. want to compliment you on how you deftly write about these things and make them easy to understand. I would think for you know a third grader to 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 be able to have a discussion and 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 think about. Yeah, well, thank you for that, and I, I intended on doing that because, you know, we want our kids to be able to, it's, it's, the, it's the, the benchmark to get the kids to learn how to read by third grade. If those kids aren't reading by third grade, you can see how they're going to start going down as a yep. continuing education. So if I can get them excited to read, even they continue to read the book over and over, it's helping their vocabulary and their literacy. So um, I planned on writing for third grade level, just for that. And, you know, all we got to do is be kind to each other. It's so easy to be nasty and say this and that, but I want kids to see you can be kind and you can be nice and there's empathy in this world. Some people can still do that. You know, we see so much negativity on TV that it's just consuming everybody, and it's almost like a magnet. That yep. makes people come on and be. It's easy to be mean because I can see our leaders being mean. So back in the day, you didn't see that type of stuff, and you know, social media is you can't turn it off. No, and you can't. Always seeing all of this evil stuff and mean stuff on Twitter and TikTok and whatever else is out there. I, I'm not on all of that, but you know, you see it on YouTube and so forth. So I'm just trying to get kids to say, you know what, they're still. I'm good. I can go to Papa Lemon to see something and hear something and learn something and, you know, help some help a friend, you know. So that's what I'm trying to do is just get kids to remember, hey, we're in this together. You know, no matter where you're from, we're all human. So let's just try to make it right. You know, I mean, maybe the kids got to teach the adults now. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm just really concerned how way things are going today. 
and I have a granddaughter now, so I'm really worried for her and the way this way we're seeing the world going. You know, yep. so. Well, Lehman, we need to let, I want to let the audience know how you and I met. So this past week was a leadership conference put on by the Minnesota School Board Association at the convention center in downtown Minneapolis. And I mean, there were a thousand or so school board members from across the state of Minnesota at this conference. But downstairs in the convention center, we had all kinds of booths. I mean, they had like three or four school buses in the in the basement that people could go look at. And they had vendors, like architects, they had vendors, you know, for cafeteria, you know, come see the kind of food we give your cafeteria and all that stuff. And then they had a number of other vendors. And you, you know, situated in this little, you know, area, were sitting there with your books out on, uh, on, uh, the, on, a, on a desk, on a table, and I walked by you and I came up to you and, and you, you know, you have a wonderful smile. Okay. And I saw these, I saw these books and, uh, I asked, what was this about? And, you know, you gave me a little bit of the, you know, 30 second pitch about what, what the books were about and what they were doing, all of that stuff. And, um, and then I started to walk away. You'll remember that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And then there were, and and then I came back, and Lehman, there was there is something about you and I, the 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 radio does not convey it very well, okay. But I came back because you there's something magnetic about you, and I know I'm not the first person to tell you that. But there's something about you that touches people, and you know, and. And, and Lehman, you've told me about how not only do you write books, but you go into the classrooms. Is that right? Yep. I mean, last year you were at USC out in California where you spoke to a couple of different schools. Do I have that right? Yeah. That was a couple of years back, right before the pandemic. That's before the pandemic. There. But altogether, yeah. you've mm-hmm. talked, altogether, you've talked to more than 25,000 school children across the country. Yep. Is that right? That's correct. And so tell, so I'm going to let you go free here. Tell the audience about the impact that you've had in the classroom with these students, with kids. Well, yeah, it's been a wide range of uh, emotions with uh, the students that I've met with. Um, You know, my goal is to go in there as, you know, me. I'm no one more than they are. I'm just a, a guy who writes books. I don't try to put on airs like um, this and that. Uh, I just want to meet the kids where they're at to get them excited about reading. So I tell them about my life and how I started writing and my life with my grandfather and, you know, what he was like. And get them engaged with asking me questions about me. I I keep it open. You can ask me whatever you want. and, And so they can know me, you know, so they can be comfortable and ask me anything and say, oh, Mr. Riley, this and that. But. I just want them to visualize me as them, you know, just a big version of the, of kids and uh, let them know that it's a comfortable, safe space where you can talk to me and listen to me and ask questions. So I tell them my story with my grandfather and how he was such an important role model with me. And I do have my mother and father, but my grandfather was just something special. special. You know, it's just a different type of love a grandfather has that a parent don't portray or display or 
you right. know, convey to you. So he gave me that. He gave me the confidence. You know, he said, made me feel like I was the number one kid in the world. You know, his favorite. Found out he did that with all of us. <laughs> but uh, I was just, I would just like to get them to, you know, feel that way from me. And I, you know, show them. You know, my grandfather's fedora hat. He always used to wear a fedora hat, and you know. It's, yep, it's and like so do you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I wear it because it just influenced me. I'm like, wow, you know, those fedoras. So I got hats like my grandfather used to wear, and so I encourage kids to, um, you know, if they can, reach out to their grandparents and ask stories. I give them three prompt questions that they can ask their grandparents. And with those questions, they can write a little three-paragraph story. And if they can, bring back an item that's really special to them. Like I have my grandfather's hat. It could be a cane. It could be a purse. It could be um, a hat also. Whatever it is that you know, connects them with their grandparents or uh, uncle or a neighbor or maybe it's their teacher if they don't have anyone that they can connect with. And read their story in front of the classroom. And once the kids do that, they find out, how much we all have in common. We're more alike than different. And then the classroom is more than a classroom. It turns into a community. The kids start engaging and learning about each other's family and becoming more close. And, you know, it's really cool once the kids get in there. And, you know, a couple of times when I would tell my, talk about my stories and stuff like that, I would see some kids crying. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, I get nervous. And then... At the end of the session, the teacher was like, oh, my God, you don't know what that kid went through. And by listening to what you're talking about, it struck a chord with them because they had just lost someone. I had no idea. And you had them engaged to talk. Some of the kids don't even talk in the classroom. When I come in the classroom, I talk to the kids, and they're like, how did you get him to talk? He hasn't talked since he's been in here. You know, I'm like, I had no idea. I just make it comfortable for kids comfortable space well and you do and and again there's some magnetism to you that I experienced when I saw you because when I came back um, after having walked past you know going away and it came back to talk with you I ended up giving you a hug and part of mm-hmm. that is because of your ninth book you wrote one mm-hmm. your most recent book and that book is about your daughter who has passed. Is that right? Yeah. The book I never wanted to ever have to write. The worst, I tell you, that was the hardest thing for me to ever do. I don't think I could do it again. I don't ever want to do it again. And I was asked by multiple people to write about trauma and grief. And at the time when people would ask me, I'm like, I don't know what to write about that. I I have no I deal what to say about it. Leeming, can I interrupt you? The title of the book is sure. is Losing Lily, Lizzie, excuse me, Lizzie. Losing Lizzie, a story of grief. And you mm-hmm. and you put it into the same context as the other books with Papa Papa Lemon and the Little Wanderers. Yep. And about mm-hmm. and I've not been able to read the book unfortunately, but I can tell that the book from the first couple of pages that I looked at the book is very, very deep, and I, and I'm sorry about the loss of your daughter. Um, she was in Thank her twenties, right? Twenty three, my baby girl. And and you lost her how long ago? Uh, June 6, twenty twenty. 
right at the uh, uprising when George Floyd and all of that was going down. Two weeks after that, actually. Two weeks after that. I'm so sorry about your loss, Lehman. But as a writer, you, you, you have written about it. And, and this book, unlike the other books, is hard hardcover. Yeah, that was a special edition. I had to. I could not write about my baby girl and just do paper cover. This was a special edition of Papa Lemon's Little Wanderers. And I wanted to honor my baby girl in a better, in a more classy way, sophisticated with the book. And I talked to my business partner. We like we agreed that this book needed to be a hardcover. There's um, um, just a, it's a memorial for my baby girl. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm just trying to help. I didn't want, I did not want to write this book. I had a um, school district ask me multiple times if I would do it very gently. It wasn't a forceful thing. I said multiple times, no. I mean, I couldn't even think. I couldn't even see. I couldn't even read. I was in so right. much grief and pain and agony, I couldn't do it. But the fourth or fifth time they asked me, I said, I need to pray on it. I, you know, I cannot do this without God's help and God's strength. I cannot do it. You know, um, I've been a Christian. I've accepted Christ years ago. And if I had not have had him in my life and the faith in God, I could not have done this book. Yeah. I started writing the book. I got the first paragraph done. I could I put it down. I just couldn't do it. I just prayed to God. I said, God, if you want me to write this book, you got to give me the words and show me how to do it because I can't do it on my own strength. I couldn't do it. And as I'm talking to you, God just said to me, you know what? Nikki is uh, Lizzie's sister. Ask her how she felt and if she could write something down. And so I did. I asked my daughter, Nick, Nikki, the lead in the book. I said, could you write something how you felt about Lizzie when she passed away? And to my surprise, she said, yeah, Dad, I could do that. And she wrote how she felt which triggered me to start writing again. And I cried through the whole thing. I cried typing that thing out. I've never cried as much in my life trying to type that story out. And I put a little bit of what my daughter wrote in the last two paragraphs is straight from my, from Nikki, straight from Nikki. She, those, those, those are her words, those last two paragraphs. But when I got that book back, from the uh, printing company. Actually, let me read, let me back up. When I got it from my editor, and I read the book, I cried like a big baby. I cried and cried and cried and just missed my baby girl and asking her, "What is she doing? And where do you where are you at, Nikki? And how are you feeling? And what's I'm just talking to Nikki or Lizzie. I'm sorry, and um, just wanting to hear her and see her and you know, hear her jokes, because we had the same sense of humor, me and my baby girl. And it was so, the grief was so bad, the guilt, Ellen, was killing me. I didn't think I was going to make it. The guilt, I was feeling guilty because I could see the grass. I could see the sun. I could see the blue skies, and my baby girl couldn't see it. But I had to realize, you know, you know, God, picked me out of all the men in the world to be Lizzie's dad. He could have picked anyone else, but he picked me. And I looked at that as such a great gift from my Heavenly Father to give me 
Lizzie to be her dad out of all the men in the world. I could be her dad. But now she's with her heavenly father. So I get comfort in that, knowing that my baby girl is in peace and in paradise. We're the ones in the bad place here on <laughs> this earth. <laughs> well, so I just thank God for giving me my baby girl, Lizzie. And uh, yeah, I have the memories of her. But this book, if it can help someone manage the stages of grief, you know, and uh, help them along their way, because we're all going to have that monster coming at us when that grim reaper comes. When I got that yep. phone call we... in midnight telling me my baby girl is gone, oh, my God. You know, like I told you that day, I was at Target, and I had that still quiet voice telling me to call your daughter. I ignored it the second time. Call your daughter. She's at work. I don't want to bother her. I'll call her when I get home. I got home. I got busy, and I forgot to call my daughter. And that night, as I was saying my prayers, I'm getting off of my knees, and I look at the clock. It's around 11.20, not knowing my daughter was dying at that time. And 45 minutes later, the police calling me, telling me that your daughter has passed away. Lehman. Lehman, unfortunately, we, I, we're out of time, and I'm sorry that I have to say that to you, okay? Mm-hmm. But, well, thank but you for having me. I am, I'm so sorry for your loss of your daughter, but I am so happy that you have written about it, and I'm so thrilled that you've written the other books. Now, if there are any educators listening... Trust me, okay, you need to have Lehman come and talk to your class. And Lehman, how can people get a hold of you if they want to? Yeah, they can uh, email me at LehmanCReilly at gmail.com. That's L-E-H-M-A-N-C-R-I-L-E-Y at gmail.com. And I'd be, be more than happy to uh, talk with you, or you can go to my website and you can see what I bring to the classroom, and that's papalemonedu.com. Papalemonedu.com. Okay. Yep. Well, Lehman, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. You are a really, really special human, and and I, you, you touched me. You touched me this week when I met you for the first time. You touched me when we sat down to prepare for this radio show yesterday. And you've touched me now. And I just want to say thank you for all that you're doing, okay? And just thank you. And just hang in there, all right? And thank you oh. and continue to write, please, okay? You have a gift. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Bless you. Thank you. Okay. All right, listeners, you've been listening to me interview Lehman uh, Riley and uh, his series of Papa Lemon and the Little Wanderer book series. Please check them out. The books are not all that expensive, um, and they are incredible reads for young children. There's no doubt about it, and maybe older children as well as adults. All right, we got to take a break, and when we come back, I've got some other stuff for you. Thanks a lot. We're back. 
Ellie Krug on AM 950, Ellie 2.0 Radio. Okay, now listen, um, Lehman Riley, all right, uh, as I said, if I have any educators who have listened to him, please check out his website, check out his work. Very magnetic personality. I don't say that very often about very many people. And he will touch you. He will. He will touch you, and he will touch uh, students and classes. I just guarantee you that. Okay, well, listen, I want to talk about, um, you know, this show is about idealism and people trying to make the world better, and sometimes that, that's about, it's about people who go and do good things or try to do good things for other people. You remember the storm um, right before Christmas. Do you remember that? Remember the snow, remember the ice, remember the cold, all of that stuff. Well, a GoFundMe came across uh, my desk um, about a good Samaritan who was involved in a hit and run. And so uh, let me just read a little bit from uh, the GoFundMe page. On December 22, uh, Luke Zimmer was driving on the freeway, and this was on uh, near Johnson Avenue on 35W, driving on the freeway and saw someone stuck in the snow on the side of the road. Because he's such a fantastic guy who loves to help others, he decided to stop to help her, putting himself at risk. In the process, someone crashed into his truck, hit him, not the, other, not the person who, had, who was at the side of the road, and then hit uh, another car, hit the woman's car. This person then took off and never stopped to see if he was okay. So we have Luke Zimmer, a man who is married and uh, from the GoFundMe page uh, with two young boys, who stops his car on 35W to help someone else, a woman, and then he's hit. And the person who hit him uh, was uh, ran away, and I don't think that person's ever been found, actually, okay? Um, and Luke suffered horrible injuries as a result. He fractured his spine in several places. He broke his rib. He, and he had to have three vertebrae fused. He spent uh, um, a couple of weeks uh, or at least a week in the hospital. Then he had to go to rehab. My understanding is that he might be coming back from rehab. Now, I tell you this story because if you've listened to me before, or if you've gone to my gray area thinking training, you know I talk about GoFundMe. I talk about how when we have a platform and a way to exercise our empathetic hearts, remember, 98% of all humans have good empathetic hearts, 2% tremendously challenged, but, the, but when we have a, a platform or a, a roadway, a pathway on how to exercise our empathetic hearts, we humans show up. We show up in droves. Now, the goal for this Luke Zimmer um, GoFundMe is $200,000. I checked this morning. And a little bit more than $59,000 has been raised. If you go back through the donors, you're going to see Ellie Krug's name showing up on that donor list. But think about this. Somebody goes to help another human. A good Samaritan goes and does that. And then they're hurt. This is about good human hearts. And then other good human hearts show up to help this man. I don't know. I, I'm just mentioning this. I'd like you to consider at least, go at least check out the GoFundMe for Luke Zimmer, Z-I-M-M-E-R. That's all you have to do is Google Luke Zimmer GoFundMe and you're going to find the story. There was an update by um, his wife this week to say that he is doing well. 
um, that he is moving. He's he has a problem with one of his legs, his left leg that um, he doesn't have feeling in it, but apparently he can move it enough that he can use a walker. Okay, now this is a very young man, all right, with a young family. Um, but according to his wife, he's a determined kind of person that he's, you know, she's hopeful that he will uh, recover. So consider this, consider at least at a minimum, think about Luke Zimmer, would you? And think about how he has suffered as a result of his good empathetic heart to help another person. Okay. All right, I wanted to throw that out there. Um, and I'm in just very much in passing here. I, I'm going to tell you, did you see the story in the New York Times? Um, Christine Chung wrote about it on December 25th on Christmas Day about the, the travelers from South Korea who in the, mo- you know, in, in the storm, that Buff- the, 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 the bad storm before the horrible storm that Buffalo had, but in the bad storm that Buffalo had over Christmas time, about some nine Korean travelers, they're on their way from New York City to go to see Niagara Falls, get stranded in this blizzard. You see the picture about how their van got caught up on a snowbank. And they go and they knock on the door of a house, total strangers, and the, and the family uh, takes them in. Um, the, the, uh, the family, uh, um, Alex, a companion, and his wife, um, they, Andrea, take, them, take these folks in and they take them in for a couple of days, feed them. As it turns out, uh, they, the, the uh, companions like uh, Korean food, so they had all the fixings for Korean food. And their guests, you know, these nine people in this three-bedroom house, you know, they, for two days they're cooking wonderful Korean food. Again, about the good heart that humans have. You know, we do. We have good hearts. Anyway, I wanted to mention that story. I thought that it was an incredibly great story. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with trans people when we come back, and a little bit, very little bit, about my work as an idealist. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio. I hope what you like about this show, you know... Um, If you want to call and talk to me, I haven't even mentioned once that you can call me. Give me a call at 952-946-6205. I'd love to talk to you today. Okay, otherwise we'll be back in a second. Thanks. And I'm back, Ellie on Ellie 2.0 Radio. Okay, so the the wonderment of live radio means <laughs> that I go over all of my times in a variety of ways, and I have like right now four minutes to give you some other stuff uh, to to wrap it up. So here we go quickly. Uh, it is the legislative season across America right now. And consistent with that, okay, as reported in uh, 19th, which is a, the 19th, which is an online um, uh, magazine uh, in a piece dated uh, the 5th of January 23 by Orion Rumler. Uh, it is the legislative season 
targeting transgender people across the country in many states, particularly in the South. And there's a new phenomenon going on right now this season. The new phenomenon is not only are they targeting gender-affirming care, that would be the ability to talk to doctors, the ability to get hormones, the ability to get hormone blockers, the ability to talk to therapists, the ability to, to, as for a teenager uh, to be able to not have, for a teenage transgender girl not to get this voice that you're hearing right now. Um, not only are they targeting the youth under 18, but now they're starting to target humans younger than 26. There's a bill right now in Oklahoma that will be introduced or that has been introduced that, that seeks to, to prevent physicians from administering any gender-affirming care to, to transgender adults who are under 26 years old. I mean, this is well into adulthood, okay? Well into majority age. But now they're seeking to prevent that those that group of humans and why because the plan is to erase transgender people from visibility is to force them to go underground so that nobody has to quote unquote deal with them uh it's coming there are going to be more states that are going to be doing this and soon it's just going to outlaw i i predict in some states they're just going to outlaw gender affirming care entirely for all adults. I mean, there are a number of states, uh, including Oklahoma and other southern states, as well as Iowa, where if you're on Medicaid, you can't get, you can't get access to hormones or gender-affirming care. I mean, it is unbelievable. When I was at the conference for the school boards this week, I went to a session about law, you know, protecting transgender students in Minnesota. The room was packed. It was standing room only. And some of the questions asked at that, in that session were, you know, what about the security of, you know, of cisgender children if there's a transgender person in the, in the locker room? You know, and, and what about the Bible? And, you know, how, you know, it's man and woman only, okay? Just, you know... There's immutable. More is coming. Okay. Well, listen. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a it's been a swirl, a whirl, and a swirl of a show. Um, I'll be back next week, um, and with more stuff. Hopefully that you'll enjoy. <laughs> if you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at elliejkrug at gmail. I love hearing from my listeners. I hope that you find this of value. Go out and check Lehman Riley's. Check out his books. I guarantee you they are wonderful books. And in the meantime, between now and then, when you hear me next, go out and do something to make the world better. Will you? Thanks so very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>